Before we get started on Buffcast 3, guys, we've got a special guest here. We have the greatest villain of all time, Johnny Fairplay. How are you, mate? I'm good. I got a, I got a buff here. I don't know. Uh, do you have this buff? Uh, well, it's in transit. It's in transit. And yes. of all the Survivor-related official buff brand buffs, would this be one of the rarest ever? Uh, if you've only got a hundred of them made up, it would be up there. Yes, a hundred percent. How cool is that? No, it is cool. Very cool. <laughs> I mean, I uh, you know when when I was on Survivor in two thousand three, you know I loved. Uh, I had never seen the show before I was cast, and you know, and and you know, I heard them use the word buff, and I'm like, whoa, buff, and and then I believe. Uh, seasons five and six they were doing commercial campaigns during the actual episodes in which they you know the survivor contestants or castaways rather they would say this is a buff and you know and they would show the different ways that you know you can wear a buff and stuff and it's like awesome and so i on pearl islands probably eight thousand times in 38 days i would say this is a buff hoping they would use that sound bite on the commercial anything for airtime and uh of course season seven did not do any promotional vehicles with buff during the during the episodes or anything but oh well the effort was there but uh you know uh i got lucky enough one of my favorite colors is blue and i was on the drake tribe uh to begin with and and then we had the merge and it was uh balboa and it was black and i and black is one of my favorite colors as well but when i was a kid i had i loved prince and i had a purple members only jacket and i'm like okay here we go i have the opportunity to make a buff so i made a survivor it looked just like this except it said survivor nsfw Hmm. i sent the design over to buff and they're just like well since you're a previous castaway it has to be approved by cbs legal and cbs legal is like well we were never really happy with you using the word survivor in the name of your podcast anyways because of the bad language and uh, i get that i mean their their rationale was if little billy is scrolling through Google and types in survivor podcast comes to my podcast and I'm explaining very adult things, which I typically do on most podcasts. They, they were looking, they were looking for some kind of plausible deniability in which they're like, this ain't us. This is Johnny Fairplay on his own. So, you know, I, it was survivor and SFW, the unauthorized survivor podcast. And they're like, you know, we feel like you've been a little willy nilly with the whole unauthorized thing. And I was like, yeah, because at this point, everyone knows it's the unauthorized podcast, but fine. So uh, we came to an agreement. I switched it to reality in SFW, which, which is actually more apropos. I mean, you know, we, we've gone with a, a one year hiatus of, of a new season of Survivor. Uh, my podcast has been covering Big Brother, The Amazing Race, World's Toughest Race, and, and now The Challenge. Uh, all over at realitynsfw.com. And I'm like, you know what? Fine. I'll do a reality NSFW. I'll change the name of my podcast. And I'll do a reality NSFW buff. And so I made it and they're very, you know, because the, 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 the comeback from CBS was, why don't you just use a third party company and, and don't make it an official buff? And I was like, well, buff's a sponsor of the podcast and have been since the beginning. Yeah. And they're like, well, they shouldn't be. And I'm like, well, they are. And you can't change that. So stop it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, I remember t- yeah, I remember talking to you about it. I'm like, I was 
sort of saying you could do something with a third party thing and it would be cheaper. And you're like, no, I'm sponsored by Buff and I love the product and all that. I'm like, yeah, actually that's fair enough. That's absolutely fair. And and if you want to sell a Buff, it's better to have it as a legitimate Buff item. Well, I just, I think it's just low budget, you know, to, I mean, I, I get it. I, I understand why other people, I mean, like they didn't have to jump through the hurdles and hoops that I did. I t- totally understand why you wouldn't, but it meant a lot to me to make a buff brand buff. And, you know, so mine, you know, come on, on, on the custom card and, you know, they're, 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 they're locked in with, with the, with the, uh, the, the, the plastic tie. So, uh, so, you know, if you want to keep it on the card as a collector, collector item. So I made a hundred, I think I'm down. I have 30 something left and, yeah. and these just became available what a week and a half ago, which is pretty amazing. And, and, and thank you to everyone that, that has gotten one. Uh, for those of you wondering if I do sign or whatever, I, 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 I typically, what I like to do personally, I just like to sign my name right there. That's it. I will sign the buff as well. But honestly, nine times out of 10, it comes out horrible. And so, you know, I would just keep the buff pristine, sign the card. If you want me to personalize, I can. If you want me to write, I never lie, I'll do something like that. You know, some people ask me to write a paragraph. I'm like, there's not that much room. <laughs> so, but, uh, but anyway, they're, they're available. They're, they're uh, 40. If you hit me up directly, um, uh, I guess my social, the best way to catch me is, you know, via social media on Twitter, it's at Johnny Fairplay, no H and Johnny on Instagram at Johnny Fairplay. And then Facebook is facebook.com slash Johnny Fairplay, all J-O-N-N-Y-F-A-I-R-P-L-A-Y. Or if you go to my Twitter, there's a link there that has, has an eBay. You can do it directly there. Might be a lot easier. And some, because a lot of people, they're just like, should I trust you? And I'm just like, yeah, uh, uh, no, you shouldn't because I, I've sent sixty some other buffs. You're the one I decide to screw over. So uh, yes, you you can trust me if if you feel safer going through the eBay thing. I think it's fifty on eBay, and if you're outside of America, it might even work out cheaper for you, uh, just because they can can sell it. They they can use the the shipping program. But I I think I, I think it says it's cheaper, and then they tack on extra. I don't know. So, but anyway, in the United States, it's forty five bucks. Uh, well, what was it? I think Canada was an extra eight and then Australia was what, an extra 15? Um, well, you mean converted or oh God, I can't for, for the shipping, that. something like, oh, that. the ship, shipping. Yeah, you sent yeah. me a few. So oh, I'd, yeah, um, whatever, just message me. We'll figure it out. Yeah. As I said, like I, I just, you know, I did a limited run They're uh, you know, they weren't cheap and, and I didn't want them to be cheap. And yep. so, uh, but at, but my advice, you know, like, you know, two weeks ago or last week, we had the big thing with the GameStop stock, you know, uh, here's your, here's your GameStop stock uh, buff, uh, buy one, two, three, whatever. And then next week when I don't have any left, you know, wait a month, wait two months, throw them on eBay for a hundred bucks and uh, double your money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there Absolutely. you go. I mean, as I said, a hundred bucks, I'm not making a, a, any more of this run. Uh, I may do another buff uh, down the road, but it'll be a completely different design. You know, I like, I, I'm always, I'm constantly reinventing. If, if you notice the logos for reality and SFW, they're, they're, they're constantly changing, constantly evolving. And uh, I just, you know, I, I like, I like fun. I like different. So, but, but this design, um, if, if you're wondering what exactly that is, yeah. it's uh that's a fire token. Yes, that, that's a that's a fire token in the middle. There's fire tokens around. 
you have the buff logo in the corner it is you know and then the the reality nsfw logo and then you have a uh, uh, uh the caricatures of matt bischoff from survivor Karen moen myself uh, zach hacker one of the co-hosts and karen eisenberg so you know so we're all all represented you know it's it's the purple the light purple the orange so uh, i i got i gotta ask i gotta ask how much input yeah. did matt have on the buff uh or anyone else from your crew or was it was just solely they had to agree with what you wanted i mean i i mean they didn't have to agree i mean <laughs> but it's it's this is pretty all, all the creative stuff you see is pretty much all me and I have, I have a designer uh in argentina that i work with and he's amazing if, if you guys know it's like put up the cult of fair play te- like so what do you remember what group it was making fun of the uh uh the my patreon no I, I, I think it was survivor fan jury uh, it might have been one of the buff oh, groups, but i don't think so i think i think it was i think it's survivor fan jury and you know i so i do the free podcast like right now we're just covering the the challenge so we do a a reaction show immediately after afterwards uh with uh lauren and and, and alex and it's great and then on thursday nights it's it's me zach hacker and marie rhoda who was actually on five seasons of the challenge and so the, that's our, our weekly free content, those two podcasts. But at adfreensfw.com, we, we're watching Australia uh, Australia season two from 2017. So which is yeah. actually what season four, but it's really yeah. season two. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that's anyway. confusing. Yes. So but uh, I, I, I dropped the link um, on Friday and then Matt, uh, Zach, myself and sometimes Karen we do a podcast on Monday. I think it's been a lot of fun. I mean, I it, honestly like that. And, and then, you know, we record the weekly Q and a right afterwards. Those are my two favorite podcasts of the week. And, and, and like, honestly, my two favorite hours of the week, because I miss survivor as a fan and, you know, and I'd never seen season two and, you know, next, next after this, we'll be doing season three. I haven't seen that. And uh, I enjoy watching, you know, something, a new version, a, a, a new to me survivor. And it's not like, it, you know, if it was a shitty season, I'd be like, oh, you know, this is fucking, uh, sorry. am I allowed to use bad words? Ah, uh, that's all good, all good. Sorry. <laughs> like this is, you know, I, uh, you know, like the last few seasons of Survivor have been pretty horrible uh, in the US version. This has been so good. I mean, Zach has it as a top three season of all time. I easily have it in my top 10 and, you know, potentially, I mean, we're, we're, we just hit the halfway mark this past Monday. Um, so uh, top five, perhaps we'll see. I'm loving it. And so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun to, uh, uh, so anyway, so, so I do, that's at ad free nsfw.com and, and on survivor fan jury, they're just like, uh, yeah, the Patreon, it's a cult. You guys worship Johnny Fairplay. Okay, for the record, if it's a cult, it's the worst cult of all time. Uh, no one <laughs> worships me. They they make fun of me more than more than any any other <laughs> Facebook group there is. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, so I made the cult of fair play shirt, and that just shows the creativity that that we try to put out there just to have fun with stuff. So, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, well, no, yeah. I, I made I made the reality in SFW buff, and I, I basically I, I sent them the design. I was like, "What do you guys think?" And they're like, "It's awesome as crap," and I'm like, "Right." And I was like, what would you change? They're like, nothing. So, so no, I, I do ask for input. And, you know, and if, if anyone had a problem with anything, I would have, you know, potentially made some changes. But, yeah, I, you know, I think with what I have, what my vision is and what my designer and I come together with, 
I, I think we have a pretty good grasp on what fans potentially want, what I want as a, as a previous survivor and a fan. And I think, I think we bring all those, all those elements together. Yeah. Um, we'll pl- plug all your stuff, plug, plug it on this episode. So sure. I, I'm a page Patreon of NSFW reality NS, NSFW at the moment or have been for a while. And like you said, you had to change the name from Survivor. And even before that, it was the Ferris. Sur- Survival of the Fairest is what Survival it started at three yeah. years ago, which was which was too cute by half. Like like everyone had trouble finding it. <laughs> and they're like, is yeah. it Survivor of the Fair? And I'm like, oh my God. So yeah. yes, it was Survival of the Fairest for one season, uh, Survivor Triple H, and then it immediately changed to Survivor NSFW. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, if you go to realitynsfw.com, uh, you can you can see uh, we have links to all of our podcasts, either uh, audio or video. Uh, you can go to our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Survivor NSFW. And then, uh, as I said, the best way to support the podcast is become a patron. We do a weekly Q&A in which, you know, you guys give me questions most of which are not survivor related they're very adult oriented in answers we have a lot of fun and it's pretty crazy and then um one of the patrons each week gets to co-host with us and at and and read the questions and ask their own questions and and we like to interact with the patrons it's a lot of fun there and then we have a monthly game night i believe uh next friday is the next game night perhaps and uh so we're very uh, i think i think we're playing mafia perhaps and then and then in march we're playing Catan. so uh yeah it's a lot of fun the, the facebook group we've uh, we've only kicked out two people ever so one guy's question involved me uh watching 20 some videos and reading an 11 page article and uh and i'm like that's not really what the q a is about and he was like oh but you can answer everyone else's questions i'm like yes and so in the history of the patreon group uh you know we've had you know 200 members or whatever uh i i told him i don't think it was for him and i think he's the one that that was that that raised the stink on survivor fan jury which i didn't see because i have him blocked because he's an idiot but uh but no it's a very good group of people lot lots of it's very positive which is very which is shocking considering you know me you know the bad guy but you know i i think anyone that knows me knows the the positivity that that i attempt to bring to real life so uh so yeah so all that's available at adfreensfw.com and then as i said check any any of my social media to find uh, uh to message me to order one of these as i said we're down to 30 some i'm not doing another run i mean like this is it like you know it, it, i'm not gonna be you know in a month be like surprise here we like if i'm if i'm gonna do 100 more buffs and, and, and I, I like the 100 number if i do another why not do another design? I mean, like me and me and my designer, we have so much fun with this, you know, like why not get crazy again? Like last time I checked, you know, my, I, I have a, a 13 year old daughter Piper and I have a three year old daughter Madeline and Madeline's favorite color is pink. Her second favorite color is all the colors of the rainbow. Last time I checked, we got all the colors of the rainbow to work with. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And what about your shirts? You still doing shirts. Oh yeah, go to go to johnnyfairplay.com. Once again, no H and Johnny, get a shirt. You can get you can get the cult of fair play shirt. You can join my cult. Once again, yes. the worst cult ever. They're where they then, make fun of their leader. Well, <laughs> well clearly, I mean it must be a cult because I I'm in it and I didn't even know it was a cult. So I was, <laughs> well, that's, I those are the best cults. Yeah, I was going yeah, along you, with the rest of the sheep. <laughs> 
when, when you don't know it, actually, I think when you don't know it, it's a pretty crappy cult because like there should be, there should be a much better agenda. So no, I've, I've been so fortunate in this, like, you know, I, I started, you know, I, I love podcasts. You know, I listen to probably 15 to 20 podcasts, different podcasts a week. And uh, actually, go. There's a new app you should all try. It's called uh, Good Pods, G O O D P O D S. And it's basically a social media platform. It's like Twitter, except with podcasters and podcast listeners. And you can see what other podcasters are listening to. And, and, uh, and people are, are saying what they think about the shows on there. We, uh, like it's, it's a real, like, uh, it's, it's, it's brand new. And, uh, their, their celebrity indoor C's are Patton Oswald, Kim Kardashian and Johnny Fairplay. So how crazy is that? That is crazy. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so download that and, uh, and give me a follow once again at Johnny Fairplay there, but no, I like, you know, uh, I started the podcast for, for fun and it's still fun. And, and when it stops being fun, I'll stop. But, you know, with the quarantine and, and the pandemic and everything, you know, I've, I've gotten personal messages, you know, almost weekly that uh, we've gotten a lot of people through some really tough times. And, uh, you know, yeah, I'm a bad guy on TV, but in, in real life, you know, don't tell anybody or I'll never work again. You know, I'm pretty, uh, I'm, a, I'm a pretty nice and caring guy. You know, I, I do, I do what I can, you know, to support, you know, my, my church, my, my local, uh, my local charities and, and even, you know, worldwide, you know, I, I've raised money to, to build Christian schools in, in, in Africa and, and, and give kids the world village each and every year. So, you know, so the fact that I can help, you know, some people on a, on a one-on-one level, you know, through the podcast and, you know, and through the, the Patreon group, uh, it's, it's, it's cool. But once again, don't tell anybody or you're ruining my stick. <laughs> so we'll edit that bit out. Yeah. Uh, thanks for coming on, Johnny. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And I'm Thank hoping you. You can, you, those bus will be snapped up pretty pretty shortly. So yeah, as a, it's been a week and a half. You know, almost. Uh, well, I guess yeah, almost seventy buffs. So yeah, there's there's thirty left. Do not be left out. Uh, actually, you can be. You know, and then and then get one for 150 bucks on eBay this summer. So absolutely. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Welcome back, Survivor fans. This is In The Buff. I'm Cable Brandon, and this is Buffcast 3. We've got a new guest for us this week. Uh, we've been long overdue in talking about buffs, and I wanted to get an actual US citizen uh, to talk buffs because it's all been very Aussie-centric. So on the line, I've got Nick M, who created the group Survivor Buff Buffs on Facebook, which has cracked over 300 fans so far. Nick Tell us about yourself and tell us about your love of buff collecting. Hey, Cable. Well, thank you. Uh, well, um, I am a middle-aged uh, Yankee. As you said, I live in California and uh, started following the show back 
a little bit in 2000. I saw the first episode I ever saw was uh, Greg Buey's vote off episode in Borneo. And then uh, I didn't really have consistent access to a television until uh, the Thailand season. And at that point, I started watching ravenously, bought the prior seasons on eBay on VHS tapes and watched those and then really got hooked um, watching Rob Sesternino's game in the Amazon. I was of similar age and perhaps maturity level at the time. And so uh, really got hooked into it. And I, and I saw the buffs and of course, you know, the commercials for buffs aired during the show back in those days. Um, but I didn't really get into buying buffs at all. Um, there was a point in time where I'm, I wanted to get my hands on a buff just to feel what it felt like and what it felt like on my head. So I, uh, I purchased one um, via Seneca Hills. It was the uh, Itui Tonga buff the merge buff or the black buff from the cook island season and then and that was when the, right shortly after the season aired that was it for me for quite a while uh when watching season 37 david versus goliath the preview episode for the merge i saw that brilliant baby blue um calo calo buff in the preview and, and i thought wow that that looks really cool i'd like to get one of those so i ordered one of those and the collector's gene in me. I've always had various collections growing up, be it Garbage Pail Kids or Transformers oh. or uh, VHS tapes, later DVDs, Blu-rays. So then my focus uh, for my collecting became Survivor Buffs. And since that time, I have uh, uh, collected quite a few, um, almost have a complete US set. I'm only missing uh, seven from the US set right now. Have a couple of international ones obviously those we may talk about uh, a lot harder to come by aren't commercially produced but uh you know there's there's just something about them the colors uh the unique logos uh the evolution of the buffs over the years how they you know the background started becoming different and then different to each tribe um it just re they're really appealing and uh i've gotten hooked and uh certainly the online community has helped facilitate that for me yeah, it's, it's funny you say that because uh, it's definitely addictive and I spoke about that with Brett um, in Buffcast 1. It, uh, it's it's extremely addictive. Uh, you can get one, but like anything, I'm a collector too. So it, it's very hard to sort of stop. And, and I think I explained in that podcast that, uh, you know, I got one and then I had to have one from the seasons that I liked, at least initially, and then one from every season. And like, oh, well, I might as well get the next one. And and then you, you're right, like some people look at, oh, I'll just collect the black ones or collect blue ones. But it does become addictive if you love the show. Um, it's hard to pass up collecting them all, really. I mean, it's harder. It's harder these days and it's financially financially harder as well because it's definitely not a cheap uh, hobby at the moment, um, as I'm sure we'll discuss at some point. But, uh, yeah, no, that's a good story. Um, that first buff, do you still have it? Is it well worn out or is it? in place somewhere in the collection or have you did you replace that one with a new fresh one on a card i did i mean when i got that buff i had no idea about wanting to keep them on cards i wanted to put it on my head so i've taken it off card it's well worn it's been washed it's filled um it's currently uh like on my hat rack because it's one of the more common ones that i wear i only have a few in circulation that i wear yep. most of the ones that i get for the collection um, remain on card and try to keep them in new and pristine condition as much as possible. And I'll, I'll ask you that. Like, how, how do you keep them in pristine condition? Because I know uh, Planet Buff, um, or Scott from Planet Buff was selling um, the plastic bags that went with it or the, the keep safe sort of bags. 
Uh, and I know people have done that in previous years. I haven't done it with a lot of my stuff. I've just got to be super careful, um, but everything's in containers all sorted into order and stuff like that. But how do you normally do it? Well, it's a quick anecdote. Uh, someone posted on, on one of the pages once, uh, oh, p post a picture of your buff collection. And uh, and I responded with a comment, All right, do you want to see a picture of the dark corner of my closet? Because that's basically where they reside. Um, but yes, uh, you know, I, I have a, a lot of uh, love for Scott from uh, plant, formerly Planet Buff, now Planet Gear Company. And um, those plastic bags that he sell, he still sells those on the site. I have each buff that I have that's in the uh, keeper collection is in one of those bags. They're really nice. Uh, they're nice and thick and hold the buff well, including the older version cards, which are obviously much larger than the new yeah. version cards. Um, and essentially what I do is I uh, put them in one of those bags um, and then I put the bags uh, inside, of a, a, inside of a box. I kind of stack them uh, uh, so the one on the bottom has the buff on one side and then the next yep. one and that's head, they head live. to toe head to toe head to toe yeah head to toe exactly yeah. and they live in in a dark corner of my closet try to keep them uh free from from light and pet hair and all that kind of stuff yeah that's it, geez we, we are it's very similar that story because uh it's funny because I think I, there's a photo that I had that was on Reddit, um, geez, a few years ago now that people must have just started seeing again because I started getting hit up. Do you have more buffs? Can I buy your buffs? Can I buy that buff? Can I buy this? Have you got a new photo? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that photo was taken when I lived in a completely different house when I was actually sorting. The, it actually might have been just before I moved. Like I was maybe getting everything sort of sorted and and put away. Uh, but so many people, like, have you got a recent photo? I'm like, similar to you. It's like, if you want a, a photo of, five six seven boxes plastic tubs of buffs um yeah i'm not taking at the moment my house is a mess so just i've got renovations happening and i'm just not risk risking taking them out in like i said dust and paint and fumes and all, no way so yes i don't i don't have a recent photo but uh i guess we've got a few questions so we should get into that unless you've got anything else you want to quickly add nick I uh, just would mention, uh, well before I met you, I saw that photo actually online that you refer to. And uh, one of my favorite comments on it, because if I recall correctly, you kind of have them laid out on your bed. Yeah. Uh, very neatly by season. So you can see um, each, each, each buff pretty clearly. And uh, my favorite comment on that Reddit post was, uh, so you, are you saying you sleep in the buff? Anyways, yeah. a little fun there. But. Brock, who's pretty big in the i guess the survivor buff community at the moment and or for the last probably almost 12 months uh been selling a lot of stuff Ask, i guess the first question so brock says over the years survivor has offered a number of products related to the show along with buffs they have offered items such as top buffs shot glasses trading cards coffee mugs bandanas etc each of these items are popular with fans but none are as popular as buffs why do you believe that buffs are so popular with fans and in high de higher demand than the other items and remain an item that has consistently increased in value over the years? I reckon we'll have similar theories on this, but um, I'm happy to, for you to jump in first. All right. Yeah, I bet we do have similar theories. I mean, I think part of the biggest part of it is, you know, aside from COVID, which, you know, face coverings became quite common in all areas of the world. And so having a unique face covering, I think, was kind of cooler than it had been. But I think the big difference between the buff 
and perhaps even the top buffs and everything else on that list is the buffs actually appear on the show. And so mm. I think that yep. the demand for buffs are, is driven by survivor fans. They see the buff on the show and it gives, you know, the average person a connection to what only 600 and some odd people have had the opportunity to experience. Yeah. So I agree with you, Nick. I, I feel like that's definitely the thing that is the connection to the show is seeing the players wear the buff. Let's be honest. They don't, you don't see them with a coffee cup. You don't, well, I mean, apart from some sort of rewards, but you don't see a Survivor logo coffee mug in the Outback, or you don't see a shot glass in Marquesas. You don't, there's no, you know, even the card game, the card game lasted two seasons and it was something they were hoping to go forward with um, over subsequent seasons, which never really, it obviously didn't sell well or just, just didn't work that that never again, there wasn't enough love for it. So why produce something that's not going to sell? Yeah, they've got T-shirts and other bits and pieces, but you're right. It's this connection to the show and the players that you feel like you can have the buff. You can wear it a million different ways. You can wear it as, you know, your favourite uh, player or you can pick up a buff. Hopefully, if you're watching the season live and, and jumping on CBS or Buff USA, you could buy your favorite tribe buff. Like you said, the color color that was perfect for you. You're like, Oh my God, I love that color. I'm going to buy that buff. Or you can, you know, Sari comes back for a season. You're like, I want the buff that she's the tribe she's on. So there's that. And I, and I think that the, the comparison to that is sports. Like, I mean, how often do you go, you know, you, you love your baseball team or your basketball team and you buy the Jersey and that's, while it's not necessarily a game worn or whatever, it's still that affiliation to that sport and all that team or that player. Um, and that's where I think buffs is, is very similar in that way. So the increasing the value though, that's, that's probably the thing I can't really explain as well. And I think maybe you probably would do that better than I would because you're sort of a newer collector again in the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, the prices of the buffs have sort of gone to me. I think it's a bit out of control and I, I, I think it's kind of sad. I, I, I've said in the previous podcast that I understand it's, if people are willing to pay that and someone wants to keep beating up and they want that Darby buff and it's going to cost them $600, then each to their own. But I, I think it's, it's almost unhealthy. It's kind of a bit sick that things like go that. I don't think a buff should ever really be going that high, but uh, apart from maybe the rare ones that we've seen in the last day or so on our page, I, I get, I absolutely get the um, them having a high value, but a lot of the other buffs are going for, um, crazy prices, especially off card. That, actually, that's what I will bring up with you and, and I want to speak to you about. But um, do you want to finish off there with, uh, have you anything, why have they increased so much in value, especially now? I think, I think one of the elements is you're getting, especially now, you know, it's been uh, going on almost a year now since an episode's actually aired. Mm. Um, and of course, you can still access buffs at retail value from season 40. But if you're a newer fan to the show, and I think Netflix has brought in a lot of new fans and um, CBS All Access, it's easy to access old seasons of the show and binge watch now. If you weren't around back when you could buy a you know, $18, $20 buff um, when Amazon was airing, say, and you loved, the, you loved uh, that season, you loved Rob Sesternino and you wanted a Tombaki buff, you know, $100 doesn't sound too far out of hand if you if, if you don't have any real perspective on what that mm. went for at one point in time. Um, while I wasn't buying buffs throughout, uh, you know, my history with the show, I was aware that the general value is like in that 
18 to 25 dollar range and so when i started buying uh buffs more frequently i kind of had a rule unofficial rule that i wasn't going to pay more than like double msrp which put my cap at 50 dollars now as time has gone on and to your point you know dabu for 600 or i think recently a villains buff sold for over a thousand dollars on ebay um you know, it, it, it makes me regret passing up on those $100 villains buffs a year ago. And so um, part of it is, uh, I think it's a little bit like the stock market, you know, if the perceived future value is higher than what it is now, it feels like a saner investment, even if your idea is to keep hold of them. And so I think that it, I think perspective plays a major role in the value of the buff, both what it's worth now, how hard it is to obtain and what it may be worth in the future. I guess the the second part of that question I was going to ask you is, I mean, at, at the end of the day, if you you're trying to have a collection and and you're you are a collector like myself and and Rhett and Mark, your best case scenario is getting the buff minty fresh on a card, and then like you said, bagging it up and putting it in the closet. But um, you want it in its best can, brand new condition on card. Um, worst case scenario, if you can't get that buff and you've just been looking for it forever, then uh, a brand new unworn off card, you go, okay, well, I'll, I'll accept that. Um, but should that even be more expensive than a on card buff? Because I feel that's the other trend I've seen that's still blown my mind. And uh, going back and re listening to podcast one or uh, buffcast one with Rhett was we were talking about the whole on-card, off-card, and what has blown my mind is seeing perfectly good brand-new buffs on-card go for a lot less, even like half the price of what some people are selling off-card buffs for. And to me, that blows my mind so much because I've got friends in the collector's realm of, um, you know, baseball and basketball cards and Pokemon, which is still – I'm not. I've got no – I have got no connection to Pokemon. You could tell me anything, I don't believe you. But I have friends that have the cards, like the rare ones, years old, that have sent them to the US from Australia to get them properly graded and get them back. And they're selling them for thousands of dollars on eBay. Um, and I just think that's another thing. It's like all these trading cards, it's all about, especially with a rare one, to sell it and get best value. It has to be in the best condition possible. And I guess my long-winded sort of question to you is like, how is it even conceivable that, say, a Darby buff potentially could go for 300 on card and then maybe a month later, you know, not even a month later, it could go for in excess of 600 off card? Is that, like, is that complete madness to you? Or, I mean, what are your thoughts? Like, would you, you would never pay that much for something off card, would you? I Not not for a Dabu. I mean, you know, maybe if it was yeah. uh, something that was exceptionally rare that was produced for the show that wasn't used, I, I could see doing that. But I think, you know, the other the other reality is it only takes one buyer to really drive up the price or if it's on eBay, two people bidding against each other. And so if you get two newer fans and I think, you know, some of uh, some very passionate people have just gotten into the scene recently. Um, if, 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 if they're out there and they want that buff and it's on eBay and they're bidding against someone else of a similar mindset, that can really drive the price up quickly. And, and conversely, you can find some relative deals too. If you keep on looking, uh, mm. um, like recently I saw an Ogacore buff new on card sell for under a hundred dollars on, on eBay. And, uh, I was one, it was one that I wish I had told you about. Yeah. I didn't yeah. feel it was like right closing, but, uh, 
but I think, you know, relative to, I think most of the Ogacor on card would sell around $200. So yeah, 100%. it just matters who who's on the market for that buff at the time. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I agree. Like, and I think I mentioned in one of the podcasts that, um, you know, in this sort of craze of buffs, especially in 2020, you know, a Kucha on card, Reebok one, you know, you, you, even back when I was still, you know, started collecting, that was a harder buff to get. Like for that to be anything under a hundred dollars, ten years ago was ridiculous. But for it to be sort of roughly about two hundred nowadays, if not a bit more, you go, yeah, that's about standard. I, I personally, from what I know, what I've seen over the years, that seems fair. Yet one popped up and sold for eighty five dollars. You know, sometime last year, in between a couple of different sales, it went for a lot more. And you go. How did that even slip through the cracks? Like, that's crazy. And like you said, you obviously there was an Ogre Core one that just went pretty cheap too. And you go, how does that even happen? But you're right. It's all it's all about timing as well and who wants what. Um, trust me, fans, let me know. If you see uh, any Australian Outback out there, I will always buy them because I will be going back there and I'll be wearing them. So, um, yeah, but it's, it's crazy to think some do slip through the cracks. I believe, did you pick up some from island of the idols that were scroll form kind of cheapish relatively yeah uh i i did only got the one but i know okay. that they, so i there was a seller who was on ebay who um sold some island of the idols buffs and originally they posted this is kind of getting on, onto the rare buff track but yeah um clearly they they didn't really know the value of what they're selling and they posted a what they said was the, the set from the season and it included the Lumuwaku, the gray Lumuwaku final five buff, uh, a Lyro buff. And instead of Vokai, they had this teal buff that had a, uh, a frog, frog logo. On it. And so um, that buff, I think that some of the fans are calling it the Boko buff. I think Boko is Fijian for frog, but apparently as the story goes, in some iteration of the, pre-production process they were planning on either having a third tribe to start or an expansion tribe and they ditched it but they still made a handful of those buffs and in fact uh jody wincheski who's one yeah. of the senior casting directors i think she still is yeah. um she had posted a picture of her on instagram wearing that same boko buff so people knew that it actually existed some of the artwork from the show you know the flags from the challenges had that frog logo on there so uh, there was some legitimacy to it when um, suddenly that buff popped up on eBay and I believe uh, someone bought the, the four pack for like $144. Yeah, that's crazy. Which, which is crazy. I mean, first of all, like the buffs themselves probably are, are probably worth, you know, 75, the ones that were actually uh, used in the season at the, at, at the point where they're listed. But the one that wasn't used in the season obviously had a much higher value than that. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. These funny little things that sort of creep in. Um, <laughs> next question. Last episode, Cable spoke about how he got into buff collecting on the earlier side and how crucial that was in his success in finding early season buffs. If each of you were to were just starting your collection today, how would you approach it? Nick. Well, I think the first thing I would do would be go and buy all the buffs that are currently available at MSRP or manufacturer suggested retail price. And so there's a couple of, there's only two avenues now. You used to have, you know, Planet, Planet Gear Company, formerly Planet Buff. Um, 
but nowadays it's buffedusa.com and uh, cbsstore.com. And so I think the current inventory, um, there's four available. There's that, the newer, newest one is the red or orange tribe is spoken buff. Um, and then there's two from season 40 that are still available. The Koru, the black merge tribe and Sele, the blue starting tribe. And then there's also the black and gold um, 40 season, 20 year anniversary buff. All those are available uh, for, you know, for under $30 currently. So I would definitely get those um, to kind of, when you're first starting a collection, to me, it's about the, the breadth of the collection. You just want to get a few buffs. You know, beyond that, I think you got to define what your goals are for the collection and really what you have to spend um, because uh, buffs will become available via, via private seller on Facebook or on eBay. And I think that um, going in with the plan uh, will better equip you to be successful in, in, in building your collection. And the reality is, hey, if you want to get one of these harder to get buffs from a, a desirable season, a heroes versus villains, you're probably going to have to pay quite a bit of money for it. And so you need, if, if, uh, if money is an object, which for everybody it is, basically, I think you have to consider, well, would I rather spend, you know, 500 plus on a heroes versus villains buff, or would I rather spend you know, $100-ish on five other lesser desired buffs. Yeah, oh, I agree. I think, um, personally, I don't know where to start. I actually had a friend, uh, you know, a Survivor fan friend that reached out to me only a week ago, maybe not even, and and was asking me, oh, oh, look, I'm thinking of starting to collect buffs. And I'm like, oh, the head dropped. And he's like, oh, you know, do you think, oh, what do you think? And I'm like, if you've got the money, go for it. But I was I think you'll be disappointed in that it's not going to be cheap. And it's like, oh, really? And I'm like, yeah, no, this is literally the worst time to start collecting buffs because he he was talking about collecting the whole set. I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. Like, I mean, again, go to your heart's content if you've got the money and you're happy to spend. But to be honest, I don't know where you start. I think, like you said, I think it does come down to financially what you're willing to invest into it what your perception of a fair price is, but also what, like I said, like there's, there's so many ways to look at the buffs, whether it's your favorite season, your favorite players, favorite colors, favorite designs. Like, I mean, let's be honest. I reckon there's probably some buff designs out there that are amazing, but they are actually on really, really, really average seasons. So, I mean, it's all, you know, luckily, like, you know, you said, you mentioned that Calo Calo buff, which is amazing. Um, to look at I'm happy to have that one but also bought one so I could wear if I wanted to but also it's a good season so um, yeah there's definitely some really good buffs out there that unfortunately belong to some really average average seasons but uh, yeah I, I, I don't know how like I know some people have uh, you know, definitely collected by color like so they like a particular color so they've gone I'm going to get all the black buffs that have ever come out so and sort of capped it at that which is probably a smart way to do it and maybe your favorite color your favorite color is green my favorite color is green maybe if if i had my time again i'd probably just get all the green buffs um or maybe even you know i think probably i'd try to get a buff from every season to represent each of the 40 seasons that have been around but who knows i don't know i don't be honest i don't know if i've got the money to do it now if i went back and tried to do it again I think it, yeah, I mean, just, I'm, I'm lucky. I have the luxury of being 42 years old, no kids, yeah. have a yeah. decent job. And so it's, 
I have a little disposable income. But it's interesting on, you know, the the, the Calo Calo or just David versus Goliath buff in, in general. You know, you think, you think uh, and when I first got into it, I just figured the older the season, probably the higher the value of the buff. But really, it's like kind of the more iconic the season or even the tribe, mm-hmm. the more valuable the buff. And if you look at the aftermarket for David versus Goliath, season 37 or ghost island season 36 or uh the sandwiching season uh edge of extinction season 38 you know the david versus goliath buffs are two three four times as expensive as the 36 or 38 season so that's one of the challenges if you have a season you love you probably want to get that buff but then a lot of people probably want to get that buff 100 percent. i think it also like it's funny you're talking about uh, david versus goliath as well and it's, i mean it's not the exception to the rule but for a while there um the buff colors for a couple of seasons were really not changing a hell of a lot so while i was still collecting them and you, there was a part of me going geez like if you wanted to have a museum and have them all up it would look pretty drab in between because you just had these sort of purple and oranges back to back and and having a black buff or whatever and you go throw a green in there or throw a blue. And um, they've definitely the last couple of years, I feel like they have given us a variation of colors and given us some good colors. And, and, you know, um, you know, I think they've definitely done it a little bit better than that. But I mean, if you were buying a buff every season um, and it was about color, you'd be pretty disappointed. There was a, definitely a stretch there where they just really the art department or whatever, like the, the actual designs on the buff were fantastic, but it was like, it was almost like they went colorblind. They, they couldn't identify colors because it was just purple, orange, purple, orange for a bit there. Um, and having said that, like there have been a few seasons I'm, I've been surprised with the colors they go with. And, and I wrote an article a few years ago for Survivor Oz website where I was kind of, kind of, I was really out on the black buff because I felt like that had become so overused as a buff. I thought it worked for Pearl Islands. It made sense and it was new and it was cool. And then it got to a point where I was like, yeah, occasionally. And then it got to a point where I was like, oh, that was just their normal. As soon as you emerge, you were the black buff pretty much. And I'm like, it's actually not interesting for collectors and, and, and people. Well, if you're buying the one buff, that's okay. But if you're a collector, it was actually quite boring. So here we go. Another black buff. Um, what I will say, like, what, what are your thoughts on even having the third tribe in a season? Because those buffs seem to be harder to get. If you don't snap one up straight away, you're going to miss out. Yeah, I mean, from a, from a fan perspective, I have most often recently found the third tribes has, has been a, it's been, those have been some of the worst episodes, in my opinion, because almost inevitably you get in a spot where, someone on that tribe is getting swap screwed as they call it, where basically they just, you know, maybe we're in a decent position playing a good game up to the swap. And then they get put in a position where they're down in numbers and then obviously, and then just voted out pretty quickly. Obviously there's many exceptions to that. And, you know, kudos to the players who are able to, to, to work themselves out of, out of the bottom, but it just seems like, you know, there's nowhere to really hide in a, in a tribe of five. And oftentimes you lose some, pretty cool players in, in that maneuver. That being said, from the buff collector perspective, uh, it's, 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 it's fun to have an additional tribe um, and an, an additional variation of the buff. One of the cooler things, and I'm, I know you talked about this in the podcast with Red, is though in the evolution of the buff design, how the actual backgrounds and sometimes the, the side elements of the buff 
would vary by each tribe. And uh, so it's kind of cool seeing another spin on that season's buff via a, a third pre-merged tribe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a part of me that goes, oh, it's cool. More variation, another color, whatever. But then there's a part of me that goes, my wallet just goes, oh, not another buff. Because you're right. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of the times, whether the, the buff is a good design or not, I've noticed in the last few years too, it seems to be the the new third tribe is a green color, which again goes back to, I love that green color, but it means you have to rush out and buy it straight away because you know they they just don't produce as many of those ones either. But you're right. It only lasts potentially two, three episodes. So you go, is it in the scheme of things, is it even worth doing that sort of twist or whatever? But um, and you're right. No, normally, someone gets screwed out of it. Um, normally, one or two people get screwed out of it. And you go, well, what was the whole point of that? But uh, anyway, we'll move to the next one. One comment to make on the black buff. I do. Th- I agree with you. It's way well overplayed. I read your article, and, and certainly for the merge tribe, it's 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 super overplayed. And if you know, I, it, to your point earlier about hey, if you're only buying a buff from each uh, each season, I know some collectors have always gone for that merge tribe. And so if you have like. 10 black buffs in a row. That's pretty boring. That being said, I think if they were to pull like another Timbira out of the hat and have a pre-merge mm, yeah. black tribe, I think that could be cool. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I Mix it up. Don't have it always as the merge buff. Like, uh, and it comes back to my article, like black kind of suited the Pearl Island seam. And I, I think occasionally, yeah, it makes sense. Bring it out. But for me as a collector, and, and again, something that you want to see, like saying, like it's all about for us as well as collectors is seeing it visually and say, seeing the designs and stuff like that. I just think black, I mean, they put, I know definitely in the last few seasons as the designs have got more intricate, they definitely have got better at sort of weaving other colors through it. But I still think black in the scheme of things is pretty dull and plain compared to, you know, again, Calicalo is the perfect example of being this beautiful bright light blue color um with different accents on it whereas a black buff for a tribe you know merge tribal yeah i think you've done it you know it's you know give us something else that complements the other colors you've already had in the pre pre-merged tribes like it just for me i just feel like the black one was almost like a cop out though the play on that would be the australian uh all-stars season um recently that they had a black buff but it was still heavily orange uh, not orange green and yellow for the pre-merge tribe so it sort of made sense it was a black buff but it still had the accents of the pre-merge tribe so i'm like well that's kind of a bit of a bit more of a play on it maybe maybe that's where us survivor have to look more that way and go okay we can sort of a black buff would still have a, a really strong you know you know pre-merge color through there as well but this is something you, you could probably answer a little bit better than me because this is only something that's only sort of become a bit more apparent and, and explained uh, to me in the last few months. But the question is, why are some buffs attached to that box and why are some rolled up? Is there any difference? Well, uh, one of uh, the page members in the collector, uh, Brand- Brandon Perry, has written something on his uh, Weebly blog about uh, to this effect, but... My sorry, I kicked over my garbage can. My understanding of the um, of the scroll versus the card buff is um, the card buffs have generally been the ones that have been produced for commercial sale, with the exception of season nineteen Samoa. Mm. They started selling 
the scroll buffs. Um, while the cards exist, there's a fair number of scrolls out from Samoa. Aside from that, my understanding is the scroll versions of the buffs were produced uh, for promotional purposes, most frequently um, as giveaways for the finale. And the way that the scroll is packed, it, it just looks like it's wound up. But if you run roll it, there's actually a pretty thick piece of paper in the middle. And the explanation that I've received for that is that paper is in there so that if you were to try to get castaways signatures on the buff at the finale, the ink doesn't run through to the other side. Yep. Yeah, so I, it, it's interesting you mentioned the Samoa thing because for a while there, um, you know, when I was collecting, you know, I put in an order for Samoa buffs and the first two buffs that came, the Fofoa and Galoo, were um, wrapped uh, that way in a scroll form and I'd never seen that before and that sort of blew my mind and, and you're right, it, it had a plastic over it and then it, but it had the barcode. So it looked, I guess, essentially the same as what I would have been getting on card just newer version, new packaging. And that's how I thought they were going to come. And then I ordered my Iger buff and that came on a card and it was a Samoa card and it was like confusing. I'm like, then what did I get? Have I got the same product? Um, yeah, obviously they decided they, well, at some point they thought they were going to go down that path to produce scrolls commercially as well. Um, I can understand they're probably easier to ship and you could probably ship more in a box, cheaper. I, I Again, I don't know the whole all the mechanics because I simply don't know. But makes sense to have scrolls. But the scroll, the, the, I guess the thing against a scroll is you can't really see it unless you unwrap it. So uh, on cards, probably the preferable version to have. Um, but you're right. Yeah, as as long as I've sort of in the last few months, last two years, probably even. Um, yeah, the scrolls have always, as far as I know, been something that was pretty much what the players get out on the island. If they aren't oh, hidden in the wrapped up when Jeff's doing a tribe swap, but generally they are almost getting them in scroll form, the players, and that's what goes to cast and uh, sorry, uh, goes to the crew as well. And then yeah, every seat I think at the finale has one on them, and yeah, that's how that's how that rolls, and then. We, if you want to buy one, you buy one on, on card. And that's how is the only thing I think, and again, you could correct me if I'm wrong because you've got, you probably had a few recently that um, since the whole change of material, which is another sort of controversial thing that's happened the last few seasons, that supposedly what we commercially get on card is the new material where supposedly the scroll form is still sort of the older original material, but you can confirm that better than I could. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, I only have a handful on scroll and from what I can tell the material matches the material from the, from the season. So I think the switch of, of material happened at season 30, was it season 38 or before, but, um, I, I, I basically I got I have a season 38 scroll and I have a season 38 on card buff and um, examining the material they seem pretty similar. The one other comment I would make just going back to the scrolls in Samoa, it is interesting to note that Samoa was the final season where they actually made season specific cards. Yes. Um, with the season specific logo from heroes versus villains on up to season 34 where they switched the card entirely to the smaller uh, square card. Um, all of those were just the more generic survivor uh, logo uh, cards. And so I wonder if um, 
you know, perhaps this is just speculation, but uh, they, they initiated Samoa on scroll. Perhaps they got some negative feedback. So they did more Iga um, and maybe a second run of the uh, pre-merged tribes on the um, season specific cards. And then after, the, and, and, and perhaps the scroll to your point was a, a cost cutting measure. And then beyond that, they said, you know what, we'll stick with cards, but we're going to do generic cards. So we don't have inventory liabilities to worry about with, you know, card stock versus buff stock and, so on and so forth. Yeah, I, I agree. I think while I love, I wish I had each um, season logo on each head card, um, I could totally see that they swap to the Universal Survivor logo to save costs because they don't have to worry about it. They just, we just print that one up. If there's 10,000 in the storeroom, we can use them for all buffs moving forward. Um, and then we just put the different, uh, I guess, sticker on the back for the barcode and ghost island purple whatever um i mean that's easier that's easier than them having to worry about printing up ghost island uh you know head cards or heroes versus villains or whatever it is and then realizing you've got excess stock of that and then realize they have to bin them or burn them and then make more anyway so having the universal stock um the universal survivor logo makes absolute sense to me um from a commercial point of view and a business point of view uh, this comes from my good mate, Julian Gronenberg. Cable, what's your personal favourite buff and what one do you hate? I hate Cook Island's buff, but bought it because it was so cheap. Um, yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, I've always just said the Australian Outback ones are my favourite. Um, they're probably not – well, they're definitely not the best designs of all time, but I think – you know, going back to what we were saying earlier about the buff being sort of popular because it's that connection to the season, to the players, um, because it is something in-game that they have, they wear. Uh, and that was my first full season and that was obviously filmed in Australia and it was when I was just, when Survivor was probably at its biggest and you know, just love that season and um, I've been out there too and I'm hoping to go back pretty soon. So for me, I think it's one of those things I've always said that if I had to, last resort, get rid of my buff collection, that would, the three that I definitely would keep would be uh, Barramundi, Kucha and Ogacore. So um, I'd probably say they're my favourites. Um, least favourite, wow. Um, I don't think I have a least favourite. I mean, I'll ask you your favourite. What, what are you going to say? Because let me think about this. You know, I, I in terms of favorite, uh, I'd put Calo Calo pretty high on that list. I really do like that blue color. But from a if I if I looked at it from a season perspective, I would put Philippines at the top of the list. Um, it has everything that I that I like in a buff, and I, and, I, and I'm uh, I'm not a purist in terms of you know I, I like the I like a lot of design elements, and so um, it has an individual kind of a animal logo for each tribe, which I think is cool. Um, I like having the pre-merged tribe written out on the buff in the in the seasonal font. I think that's cool. Um, and then each each buff has its own design elements, which are which are unique. So I'm a big fan of those of those three, um, especially the Matsing monkey is is pretty is pretty darn cool. Uh, as far as the least favorite buff, um, I think it's there, there's I would say Lamina from Panama, and two reasons for that. One um, when I started collecting buffs, that was one buff that was so readily available. I remember I remember seeing 10 packs available for a um, hundred and something dollars. So 
clearly that one was produced in, in uh, ubiquitous quantities. And then aside from that, going back to the quality of the show, um, aside from Shane on the original uh, Lamina tribe, I think especially when they um, combined tribes and went from four to two tribes, that Lamina tribe was kind of one of the more boring tribes in survivor history. Now you had Terry Dietz, who was the, the challenge beast. But other than that, uh, it was just kind of a, it was kind of dull and especially compared to Kasaya from that season, which had all the kind of freaks and geeks, so to speak. Um, yeah, it was just a, a clearly, in my opinion, an inferior tribe. And so for those, those two reasons, it's bottom of my list. But that being said, I still own one. Yeah, well, uh, look, I don't, I don't want to disparage any of the buffs, really. I, I'm just trying to think maybe there was an earlier season that wasn't great. But I feel like even the seasons, like if you – I don't hate Thailand, but I know a lot of people are down on Thailand. But even their buffs were really cool um, and, again, weren't exactly the same as what we've previously had. And that's when they started to vary up and have a little bit more – same with um, Marquesas where they started to have a little bit more background um, – instead of just having a plain block color, there was a little bit of a pattern in the background. So they started to, and that was, you know, I guess the beginning of the evolution of the buff, but you're right, mate, maybe it is something as boring as maybe a Lamina is. That's actually a really good choice. Cause that definitely was something that was mass produced. Probably, probably would say the orange buff because it's kind of cursed a little bit. Um, <laughs> definitely. And they were um, kind of cursed as a tribe. I'm going to say maybe something controversial, um, I wouldn't say hate it, but I think it's overrated. And I know it's only one of its kind, but I think the Karor buff is, I don't know what it is. And I love the, the camo stuff, but I think it works for the green buff, which I've got on my head right now. And it works for Oolong in the blue, surprisingly enough, but I don't know what it is. I feel like it doesn't work as much for the Karor buff in the brown. And again, if, if, if I was, you know, if we had to have a buff fashion show or something like that, that's definitely not one I would put out there as, you know, one of those colors to emphasize how good buffs are if I was trying to sell them to a new market or something like that. So, you know, you're right. Probably Cali Cali is probably up there and a couple of favorites. I mean, Philippines is a good choice as well. I, I agree with that. It's uh, definitely um, when they had all the individual, they all almost had their own mascots, each tribe. And um, the way they did those ones was really good too. But uh, yeah, that's a good question. Good question. Uh, this question comes to us from Linda Olson, another uh, Australian, and she asks, what's the one buff everyone should have in their collection? That's an excellent question, and that's, I think we spoke about this sort of technically a bit off air, that uh, it's all, I guess, up to personal preference, really, but I think if you're a true fan of the show, or potentially, like, and this is not to have a go at people that are younger that have only picked up the show in the last couple of years. But if you've been there pretty much from day one, like you and me, I feel like if you had your time again, or you definitely knew you could have access to a Targi buff or a, a, a Pagong or something like that, or the, the proper Reebok version of that and not pay you, you know, your $3,000, like what might be on offer now. I think, I think that's the buff that you kind of want that symbolizes the start of this big 20 year journey. So I feel like that if if that was more accessible to most people, like that's the one you'd want to have in your collection. Um, having said that, I mean, I think I think for everyone, if it's the first season you started watching the show, like if you jumped in at Philippines and loved it, and that's why you stuck with the show, then you should have a Philippines buff in your collection. 
like that's again my attachment to the Australian Outback. That was my first full season. I'm similar to you, jumped into Borneo when I think it was the Gretchen boot. I was hearing about this show, Pelo, you gotta watch this show. So while I love Borneo and it was, I guess, technically, I guess the first season of Survivor I saw, I didn't see it fully. So I didn't have that connection, but I was all in for the second season. So for me, um, again, similar to the question before, I think for me, I'd be, for me, it'd be ridiculously stupid not to have any Australian buffs. If, if I only had a handful for me not to have an Australian Outback buff in my collection would be, madness but I, I think that's it if you've jumped in and you've fallen in love with the show at any particular season that should be the buff at least your, your starting point you have a buff from that season because that's why you watch the show is it not so um yeah whether you start at pearl islands australian outback philippines ghost island or whatever if that's how you got into the show and that's why you love it and you continue to watch it that's that's probably my answer have a buff from the first season you you fell in love with the show I think that, that makes a lot of sense. You know, I, I would come at it from a couple different perspectives. I think um, if, if money were no object or, or, to, or how you laid it out, if you could go back in time and buy it at uh, retail value, I think arguably the most iconic tribe in Survivor of all time is the Villains tribe from Heroes versus Villains. And um, that brilliant red colored buff, I'd say, would is uh would be high on the list for every for everybody to have that being said uh i don't see it come available very often and when it does it has a price tag of you know in excess of 500 dollars. so i don't i don't know if that's for everybody so thinking about it from uh you know what's uh, what's a what's an iconic tribe that's also affordable um or perhaps an iconic season uh it seems like the pearl islands buffs you mentioned them those still seem to be fairly readily available not cheap. I think they sell for about, you know, five or six times what the uh, MSRP was, but I think you can still get um, any of the three Balboa, Drake or Morgan for between a hundred and hundred and thirty dollars. And that is, you know, it's on many lists uh, either at the top or in the top five in terms of being a top season. And, you know, I really agree that that season really had it every, everything from, you know, devilish villains to, here underdog heroes um you know the outcast twist was a little bit panned but i think it served its purpose and i think that was a really good season and if you're a fan just getting into it don't have any buffs that's one you can get for you know not too much money all right this one comes from garrett Smythe from ireland and he asks how often do you or have you spent time looking for buffs i feel like i need to go into rehab as a buffaholic I have six in transit at the moment and hopefully three more tomorrow. My bank card needs to be taken off me. So uh, distilling that into the question, um, what, what kind of time commitment do you spend? And I guess also what kind of financial commitment do you put into buffs? Do you want me to answer first or? Yeah, I think, yeah. I, I, think I think we both have a different perspective given your longevity and my rather being new to the buff trade. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't want to rehash too much from Buffcast 1, but, uh, yeah, pretty much I got to a point where it was a constant eBay search every day. I know I wasn't super savvy on eBay, and I was probably still not super savvy on eBay, to be totally honest. 
uh, compared to Rhett. Rhett would put on all his keywords into a search, so he would be notified. As soon as something was Africa or Survive Africa or Marquesas, he would have notifications that something's been posted so he could go in and, especially if it was a bite now, you could go in straight away. So, But I know definitely when I was collecting, um, and that's part of the adrenaline rush of it, and maybe that's why I don't, I don't dislike buffs anymore. I don't not love it, but definitely now that I've sort of got everything that I want, um, and you know, you just buy whatever new season comes out, you just buy them straight away. I mean, there's no, I guess there's no skill or excitement to it anymore. There's no thrill of the chase. So, um, yeah, I definitely, uh, to Garrett's question at the moment, I don't have to do a lot of searching because I'm not really after anything. I mean, yeah, if the, the frog uh, one that you got um, popped up from Island of the Idols or something, yeah, but I'm like, I don't have time to sit there on eBay. And again, if it's a bite now, I know you or Noah or someone else will snap it up pretty quick before I'm even awake. So, um, I, yeah, I don't spend a hell of a lot of time searching for these things anymore. But yeah, at the time when I was collecting and trying to find a no bag and trying to find a Drake one and this and that back in the, those sort of early 2000s. It was a lot of, yeah, you're right. It was probably, there was probably a lot of time and, and finances committed to the project at the time. It felt like a lot of finances for me, but um, like, you know, going back to the uh, recommended retail price of, you know, sort of your, your 18 to $25. And I, oh, I think they were even probably $22 back then. Um you know, as soon as those buffs started to get red, you know, all of a sudden they're $50 and $70 and you go, oh, that's a lot of money. And then even then, shipping wasn't as bad back then, but it still could be a bit pricey depending on who you were dealing with. If you had a good contact uh, like Andrea, um, then you'd get them, you get looked after from that point of view. But, um, geez, I, I, I hate to think what you guys have spent in the last few months. Um because I don't know if I have the the budget to do it. But yeah, I, I sorry, and to be fully transparent for Garrett as well, like I did hit a financial wall. It wasn't buffs, wasn't the only thing that I was collecting, and it was just going out and living and probably bought a car that was too expensive and guzzled too much fuel at the time and stuff like that. So I got to a point where I had to go to a bank pretty much or go to a I guess a financial situation where I had to pretty much just get credit cards cut in half and then wasn't allowed to have a credit card for five years or whatever it was and had to pay out a debt. So, um, and that would have been, and buffs would have con definitely contributed to that in the early days as well. So um, yeah, I'll fire away to you, Nick. Well, I mean, I am still in the mode of checking eBay probably once a day. And um, also uh, in the U S we have a, a newer site called Mercari um, and I'm, I'm checking it once a day. And the reality is, you know, I only have a handful left on my collection that I'm that I need to complete my collection. But I realize that there are buffs out there that are harder to obtain. Um, to earlier points we brought up, sometimes you can find them at a relative value, and so a lot of times I'm just looking for those good values that I can bring in as extras that I can then use later um, to trade for the ones that I really want. So um, I'm not investing a, a tremendous amount of time a day. Usually it's you know, once in the morning, maybe once at night, takes maybe a minute or two to look at eBay and I sort by the newest items. Um, and I know I miss some because uh, some people are on it much more frequently. I, I get are getting the alerts and all that stuff, but I found some, I found some good values that way. And I've definitely found some, uh, 
Uh, so, well, one other trend I've noted on eBay is um, in the you know year and change that I've been very active on the buff scene. There's been a couple of collectors who've had either complete sets or near complete sets who have liquidated their entire set on eBay in, a, in one go, or maybe a couple of wouldn't, wouldn't sell, so they would you know repost them. But um, you know during that time, I was a lot more active because you know auctions were ending. If they're done in auction form and not buy it now, you have to kind of be present at the end of the auction to make sure if you really want it to make sure you don't get as they call it sniped at the end and have someone come and outbid you. So. I remember some instances this summer where I'd be on a bike ride and have the alarm on my phone go off and have to pull over and hope I was in an area with signal <laughs> to make a, a final bid. And I remember yeah. losing a couple because I didn't have signal and I was pretty bummed about it. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? It's um, the eBay addiction as well. It's um, yeah, it's yeah. I, I know what you're saying. Getting sniped at the last moment, you're thinking, "Oh, I think this is enough. This, oh, can I pay that extra?" And then when you see what it goes for, you oh, I would have actually paid that all a little bit more. And you know, you just never know what people are really willing to pay. And I mean, like you said, like there's people that must sit there, spend all their time on eBay, and then that's that's what it is, isn't it? All right, fans, so what we're going to talk about now is some of the rarer buffs. And I'm going to say something from the top, and and this is not to offend anyone, but I've noticed it's popped up in our group a couple of times, but I've seen it in other groups previously that people have talked about the buff that I'm wearing right now, the green unused merge buff from Palau, people keep banging on about it being rare. I'm telling you now it's not rare. Your perception of it is that it's rare because it may be not popping up as frequently anymore. But I can tell you for a good 10 years, they were sitting on eBay and you could get them almost at retail price for a long time. So they're out there. It's just like, I mean, I can't remember the exact price. I'd have to go back through eBay or an invoice, but I'm pretty sure I bought six of them. Like apart from the one that I got for my collection, I bought six of them for, I reckon, $60. $10 each or something like that. So they were mass produced and I got a theory that because they weren't connected and they were never used on the show, they were deemed as just, you know, it just never was a popular buff. So similar to Lamina and some other tribes that or seasons that don't sell as well, there's some buffs that just sit there and sit there and sit there. So yes, I know if you've just got into the buff market now, they seem rare because you're just not seeing them. You're, you're searching and you're not seeing them. But does just because you you're not seeing in the last maybe even eighteen months, it doesn't mean they're not rare. Uh, well, sorry, it doesn't make them rare. It's just you haven't seen one. And and again, this is all about timing. But there's definitely some really rare buffs out there that people aren't considering. And then there's people people are perceiving some mass produced buffs or even moderately produced buffs as rare just because they haven't seen them in the small window of time that they've been looking. But I can tell you for a fact this particular buff is not rare. So if you think you're sitting on a gold mine, maybe you could make a few quick bucks now, but it's not rare. I'm telling you that right now. I reckon I've still got four of them somewhere in a box. So, Well, I just, a little bit of perspective on um, that Palau buff too. They were fully intending on using that buff in the show. And the only reason why they didn't use it as the merge buff was because in a kind of historic context, um, I believe, aside from the double boot episode where Willard, who looked like the immunity idol, got <laughs> voted, voted off Karor, every pre-merge boot was from the Oolong tribe. 
And so they get, got down to literally a single oolong member, Stephanie LaGrosa. And as a kind of a symbolic uh, thing, they had her be absorbed by the Karor tribe rather than go to a merge tribe since it wasn't really a full merge. It was just a single person. The other thing to note is back in the old days, the production schedule was much different. They, nowadays, they film two seasons back to back. They film them, well, before COVID, it was, they start one in March and one in May. Yeah. And those are for airing, you know, one of them airs in the fall and then another in the spring. And so because of that lag time, particularly on the spring season, I, I don't believe they actually produce commercially the buffs they, that they sell until well after the show is filmed. In the case of Plow, they were filming it and air and starting to air it a couple months later. So they they not only produced the um, the green merge buff for the show, but they actually produced it for commercial sale. And to your point, um, it wasn't used on the show. And I and we talked about earlier how I think that is a driver for interest in the in the buff. And so that I I remember, and this is before I was buying buffs. I remember those kicking around for quite some time at, at MS, MSRP. So what, what, what buff are you going to bring to the table? What, what, what rare buff do you want to talk about? Well, I mean, there's, there's a few there. I think we should talk about the one that just became uh, the legendary buff that just has now become uh, uh, a real thing. And that is the gray uh, redemption Island buff. Do you want to tell the story behind that cable? I guess so. Um, for well, as far as I know that redemption Island, the, idea was to have once the players got to redemption island that they would be given a redemption island buff essentially which was a gray color i believe which is funny because i feel like the photo looks a lot lighter than a gray but anyway some sort of gray color which was pretty much similar to the omatepe and zapatera buffs just gray and that got pulled so that was always i guess a rumor or one of those stories or urban legends that it became that did they actually really exist was it purely an idea did they ever produce them um then it came up with the idea that as you would leave redemption island uh arena that you would burn your buff um to sort of follow in the fo footsteps of the greatest villain of all time randy bailey <laughs> him being the first to burn his buff on the way out so um, so they never saw the light of day, and then that was a story that bounced around for a long time on Reddit, and that, uh, Reddit and Survivor Sucks and all those sort of different Survivor groups, um, whether on you know Facebook or just on the internet. Um, I don't know if you can add any more to that, but I think for a long time it was rumoured. There was a photo that did come out where I think the photo was of the buff and it was looked like it was on a desk or something like that. And then there was talk, well, well, that could easily be photoshopped or at least grayed out. So there was like, oh, is it real or whatever? And then Brendan Perry this morning posted in your group a photo of, I guess the post was, show us your rarest three buffs, three, two, one, go. And then he's just gone smack bang. I've got this photo and it's uh, Targi and Pagong on card, uh, Reebok. Uh, versions and then with that gray um, redemption island buff that I guess obviously exists now we can see but um, with technically I guess in the scheme of the show didn't exist so um, you got any thoughts on that well the only thing I think you nailed the story the only thing I would add is the what really stood out to me um, was two elements one 
the Redemption Island logo itself was also grayed out, no color in the, in the logo, not just the, the background of the buff. And two, the buff logo, which is always yellow, was also grayed out. So, I mean, the thing was entirely gray and, uh, uh, you know, visually per pretty striking. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's as, you know, brilliant or bright of color as obviously the tribes from that season or tribes in general, but I think it really serves that purpose of, uh, you know, you're, you, they say that uh, once your fire is out, you know, so are you. And well, even though the Redemption Island was kind of like purgatory or limbo that season, that completely muted buff really gave that that feeling of uh, of, of of death in some ways. So it was a pretty cool looking buff, and uh, you know, props to Brendan for for uh, you know actually getting his hands on one and showing it off. Yeah, I mean, it, it'd be interesting to know. Like, I'm not going to ask Brendan how he got it, where he got it. I'm obviously he's got his contacts and he's a big fan. So if he's got those buffs and or he's got decent amount of disposable income to spend money on that sort of stuff. Um, but I guess my question would be, I, I wonder how many were ever produced because they would only have got a handful for the show and then, or at some point gone, eh, no, nah, we're not going to go with that idea. So maybe that they could have even been a, like a, what do you like? Just a rough first. I can't even think of the word I'm trying to think of, but you know, when they make, they I get almost like a test test one and, and make a couple of those and think, oh, no, we won't do that and the idea is scrapped. Because I know, I guess, um, I don't know, I can't remember if we talked about it on the other buff cast or not, but there is an unused Fiji buff um, that Mark, uh, Mark Burnett has. And I can't remember what the colour was. Maybe it was a blue. Blue. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's another one that I – sort of wonder like if he's got one but then how many went and i know they're pretty big on i feel like with the show they don't want those sort of ones to sort of if they're not used they don't really want them out there so they normally do destroy them um from what i've heard and again that could be just urban legend and, and stories and chinese whispers that have been passed to me but uh i I, it wouldn't surprise me if Brendan's got close to one of the only ones in existence. If if it's legitimately real, um, that it, potentially all the other ones that were potentially made up were destroyed at some point, or the inner sanctums like the Jeff Probes of the world and Matt Van Wagner and, and some other producers have one or two of them at home or something like that. But I mean, for for it to be kind of the unicorn and and not to really be able to see photos that often of them, for it to turn up is um yeah it's kind of what a morning what a morning to get that dropped on your, your lap when you're about the podcast yeah no doubt hey just on the topic of the blue fiji buff i think that's a, a story worth telling and so the way i understand it there um fiji was the only season uh american season that had uh, an odd number of castaways they started with 19 castaways and also a weird twist where basically they had the haves versus have not. There was an intro challenge. Um, and one, and actually there was a pick them, I believe. And uh, so whoever didn't get picked got sent to Redemption Island or not Redemption Island, but Exile Island and came back in the game. Anyways, the whole reason why there was 19 people, I may be getting that story a little bit wrong. So excuse me if- uh, No, no, you're, you're right so far. You're right so far. Okay. But uh, long story short, that is Fiji season 14 came on the heels of Cook Island, which had the uh, 
controversial twist of four tribes separated by race. And if you look at the composition um, and a props to Survivor, you know, I know that there, that CBS in general for the reality shows is going with, uh, you know, 50% uh, people, uh, um, black, indigenous, or, or colored people moving forward, which I think is awesome. But if you look at the composition uh, from an ethnic perspective from Fiji, there was a, you know, it was a high degree of, uh, of non-Caucasians on there. Um, and if you count, there was actually five African-Americans, five Latinos, five Asians, and four Caucasians. And so as the story goes, there was a, a fifth Caucasian, a woman. There's also yeah. an imbalance in gender, obviously. Do you want the name? Mel Melissa. Uh, Melissa McNulty. Yes, <laughs> right? very famous, yes. The most famous, one of the most famous survivors to never have played. <laughs> and apparently Melissa in the pregame had had a panic attack and decided that she was not going to play um and they didn't have a replacement player on the island I, I know a lot of seasons where they actually have extra players out there in the event someone does drop out but they didn't in this case and so they had to the show had to go on they had 19 and they did the best with what they could but they were planning on having those four starting tribes um, and so I understand the four starting tribes were, you know, the Rabu and Moto, the, the orange and, uh, or excuse me, the green and orange that we know, Bula Bula, which was purple, was also actually that buff was going to be used for one of the starting tribes. And then one of the starting tribes is actually going to use a blue bluff, blue buff. And then the overplayed black buff was going to be the merge tribe buff for that season. Um, I don't know if the black one was ever produced. But you're right, Mark Burnett on a, on a different podcast, I think it was a Rob Sesternino podcast, um, referred to that, uh, that blue he, buff. He may have done – he definitely spoke on Survivor Oz as well at some point. That was it, Survivor yeah. Oz. Excuse yeah. Me. Yep. yeah, so, um, yeah, and that's where I sort of got that information from. And I'm like, why would Mark Burnett make that up? So, um, And that's always been interesting. So, he, yeah, you're right. I mean, he mentioned having that blue buff, and that makes sense that they would have been the starting tribes and they sort of – rearrange things but um obviously they never produced a black buff or they did initially or at least buff made them and sent them out to location and then they just got thrown in the fire because the, the plans changed and melissa mcnulty forever changed uh, the course of survivor history by not having that uh, uh well i guess not having the race twist again and then they're having to come up with this really weird haves and have not sort of twist and I don't, I don't hate that season, to be honest. I, I enjoy parts of it, but it's definitely a bit of a mess as well because things happen and, uh, yeah, someone has a panic attack and they have to have to make things up on the fly. And, again, isn't it ironic that, like, Murphy's Law, like, they – I don't even think I've heard of another story of really anyone dropping out last minute through a panic attack and not being replaced. Like, a lot of seasons they do have alternates ready to go and um yeah no this is the one season someone did have a panic attack and freaked out and needed to back out and they had nothing else planned and they had no one else to fill that spot so um i can't uh did i, I see her dad pulled out of blood versus water i think but candace and john were ready yep. to go to fill and in then so. davy rickenbacker on uh david versus the goliath was a he was actually going to be on edge of extinction yeah I, I don't know what the circumstances were but the story i heard was it was it Cerise's son was out there oh and, yes yep yep and so uh and, and he ended up uh 
I don't know why, for what reason, but he ended up not playing. And even if you listen to Davey Rickenbacker's interviews going into the season, he talks about how he arrived late, got like got the call at the last minute, got into playing the next day. And, uh, um, you know, they were all they were already well into pre-production doing interviews when he arrived. And it was kind of a surprise to the rest of the castaways. Yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? So uh, we were talking about rare buffs. So one of the rarer buffs I do have, but then whether they were still mass produced, I don't know. Um, and if we look at the buff guide that came out a few years ago, um, Pearl Island's had a bit of a printing issue where uh, a, a particular blue part of the color wasn't printed on a lot of the buffs, at least in the first pressing. Uh, and then they got sort of, some of them got out into the, I guess, into the public. And then a lot of them were wrecked. Sort of similar to my cases where they changed the lettering um, to black, uh, from black to the white. But um, there's definitely some Pearl Islands buffs that are out there that are missing a particular blue color through through the design. I've got a Balboa one, which I thought for a long time that was the only one that was actually affected by this. But some have popped up from uh, yeah Drake and Morgan. Uh, did you know of that or have you got one of those ones or, or you're not too phased? I, I've heard of it um, I, and I've seen it, the, the one that you've posted, uh, but I do not have one of those. Um, uh, I, do, I do think they're pretty cool. And I, and I haven't heard officially, like it, 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 I, I, after you mentioned it and, and I, I saw yours, I looked pretty closely and you know, did a pause screen on the, on the DVD. And, and it seems like th that the ones that were worn by the castaways did have that blue color. So it seems like it was yeah. just printing that was done. Yeah, it's, it's funny because I went back and I watched the first um, episode of Pearl Islands. I mean, any excuse to watch Pearl Islands anyway. But I noticed it was a close-up shot where uh, someone that you're friends with, I, th I think it was when Ryan was getting his um, uh, buff, they did a close-up shot of the buff and the hand sort of going to the buff that was on the table or whatever when Jeff was calling everyone's names out. And, yeah, I did a quick screenshot. I'm like, oh, okay, they, they aren't affected by the, the missing blue. So I just... I made the assumption similar to the Marquesas that maybe the first run was missing this blue color and that's what everyone got. And then some of those seeped into some of the early production till they picked up the mistake. And then, you know, subsequently next sort of couple of batches were rectified and fixed, but yeah, there must've been a couple of funny ones that sort of somehow got through um, without the print. And at the time when I bought it, it wasn't marked as being, rarer or special anything like that it was just a a bow bow buff for sale on ebay and at the time i didn't notice anything different until i started hearing that maybe it was on one of the the pages back in the you know going back a few years now before probably before facebook i started hearing about it and uh yeah i got um got one of them and i went back and looked at my go oh my god i've got one of the well, supposed rare ones where it's missing the, some of the blue on it um yeah, and then obviously went and bought it subsequently, bought an, another one, so I had both. But, yeah, just kind of interesting that it sort of popped up and then a couple of years later someone was um, selling a bunch of uh, Survivor merch who was, I believe at the time, they must have been X-Crew. And, and I again, it was one of those times, like you said, you know, you're on your bike, the alarm goes off, oh, geez, I've got to get on and, and bid on it. And I, I don't, don't even think it went that for that much, maybe $70, but it was a bunch of stuff, but it was a photo. And I'm like, that looks like another buff. 
bell bulb off with the missing blue, but it was hard to tell. And I was like, I should have just bought it. And so I could have another one. And then ooh, how much money would I make now? <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. It's, it definitely seems like those variants go for, for quite a bit. I know um, you mentioned another variant, uh, the Marquesas season, though, the, if you look closely um, at the buffs that were, were used in the show, this actual survivor logo, the, the lettering is black on the, on the buffs in the show. However, the ones that were commercially produced, um, the lettering is white. So I think that's another kind of more rare variant. Um, and unlike the, the white letter ones, uh, which come on the Marquesas cards, uh, the black letter ones only come on like the, the more generic buff brand head cards, which are, you know, very like there's one that looks like an indigenous person, one that looks like Marilyn Monroe, um, and so on and so forth. One looks like a pilot with the, uh, yeah. the, the, the goggles and stuff. And um, I know those, those are, are more rare. In fact, uh, uh, our, our friend Rhett is, if anyone's out there has a black lettered um, I believe Rotu is the one yeah. he's looking for. So just giving a plug to Rhett because he's a great guy. If anyone has a black letter Rotu that they're willing to part with, uh, Rhett Butler is interested. Yes, absolutely. It's funny, actually, it's funny you mentioned the um, the other head cards. And, and I wonder if you've got any of those buffs that that's the only way you're able to attain that buff was getting on a different color, uh, different card. Now, I love this. Probably, there's definitely someone if they listen to this that's out there that will probably know the answer. Scott from um, Planet Buff or Planet Gear Company might be able to sort of know a little bit of the answer. But I feel like at the time, like again back when Survival was really big and maybe they were selling a lot more buffs, there must have been more buff distributors at the time because I've definitely got my Guatemala buffs are actually on those random sort of like you said. Indi- there's an Indigenous one. There's the yeah, the Marilyn Monroe type one, which was also used more for the top buffs. And then there's a sort of a pilot. So I've got a couple of buffs that are on a different card that's not Survivor. Um, it's still a legitimate item. It's still got the buff tags and all that sort of stuff. But I think there must have been a time when CBS was selling them and they always would be on, obviously, they want to promote their show. And then maybe excess stock was sold through different buff companies that all bu- all their buffs were just generically put onto a, a head card and sold that way because um, I believe, yeah, I'm pretty certain. Again, you know, sort of 2005, 2006 era. I'm pretty sure CBS had multiple people uh, or multiple distribution lines through those buff sort of sellers selling them, and then at some point they just cut that off and just said, "No, it's going to be exclusive to CBS and Buff USA kind of thing." So that definitely did shrink, and and maybe that's when. It was like, that nah, has to be on a Survivor card, and that's how it is. But I, I have another theory on that. Yeah, go um, for it. I'd, lo- I'd love to hear it. Yeah, go. So I think, you know, uh, I work in, in supply chain, um, and uh, boxes are a thing in supply chain, and, and uh, cardboard, it's a commodity. Um, t- typically, with, with boxes or, or cardboard, anything, there's a minimum run that you have to do. Um, and the number is usually pretty high, especially if you have custom artwork on it. If you're just getting a piece of cardboard that's just plain, that's one thing. But if you're getting custom artwork on it, then you, then you have to run a minimum quantity. And it's usually a pretty high number. I speculate, and this is total speculation. I think you're right, Scott would know for sure. But I speculate that perhaps um, they wanted to produce some additional buffs to sell, but they didn't have, they didn't have the critical mass to do another run 
of the season specific cardboard um, cards. And so they just used the, the, what Buff had available and those were the head cards. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. And that makes perfect sense to me. It's just, um, it's just funny that it feels like that's only really cropped up on like, obviously the buffs that um, Brendan's got and took the photo of today, which is the Targi and it is Pagong, isn't it? Uh, so no, like, no, no, it's Rotana. Rotana. So, yeah, I, I thought I saw Pagong before and then I was thinking, I don't think it was Pagong. Um, but, yeah, those are obviously on head cards. Um, again, maybe back then there was never any, any intention of having a survivor card. And, and like you said, I would have had so small numbers of those buffs going out anyway that having a survivor card back then in Borneo would have been real unrealistic. But then you get to Australia and Africa, obviously it's a mass-produced buff. They have it moving forward. But, uh, yeah, there is definitely Guatemala is one of those seasons. I feel like they must have had a short run of Guatemala head cards or something because they very frequently – I think Peter, did he buy some of you or did he have some – I think he even posted some Guatemala bus recently. And, again, his were on those sort of, you know, generic sort of head cards, um, which is – Yeah, really- that, that season seems to have the most on the generic yeah. head cards. Yep. So I, I mean, I have seen them around, but yeah, Guatemala seems to be the only real season that's really been affected by it, which is interesting in itself. But I did have one last thing I wanted to say just on the topic of us. Um, and that is, you know, uh, it's been super fun. Obviously, I'm like scratching that itch of collect collecting with buffs and uh, and the thrill of the hunt has been awesome. I'm you know, while I'm very eager to close out my collection, I'm sure there's going to be some sadness that comes when I get that final buff because now I don't have anything else to be hunting down. Um, but that being said, you know, even even a, a greater joy than than the, the the hunt of the buffs and adding new ones to the collection. I've met some really really cool people through the buff trade. You know, obviously meeting you, Cable, has been a great experience. We live on opposite sides of the globe. If it hadn't been for buffs, we would have never met. And there, you know, there's several people like that. You know, had met met Brock through this. Scott from uh, from Pacific Gear Company. He, he's a great guy. I've, I've had the opportunity to chat with him quite a bit. Um, another gentleman from the, from uh, the page who I've traded with named uh, Chad Brown, who is just a really super nice guy. Uh, Peter, who you mentioned, who's kind of newer to the scene, but also a really nice guy. And I just think that, you know, hadn't had it not been for these stretchy pieces of fabric with Survivor logos on it, uh, none of our paths would have crossed. So, absolutely. Um, Really happy, really happy about that. And you forgot to mention Noah. He's going to get upset, you know. Noah, oh, my God. Got to give it up for Noah. Absolutely. You're so right. I'm sorry, <laughs> Noah. We love you. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm sorry, Noah. I don't know how I could overlook you. But Noah, Noah's great as well. He's, uh, along with Cable, we're kind of the three uh, co-founders of Survivor Buff Buff and uh, serve as admins on the page. And, you know, I got to give it up for Noah. Noah, in a lot of ways, inspired me to go deeper on the collection. Um, you know, just chatting with him, uh, gosh, sometime in early 2020, he shared with me about some of his expenditures on buffs. And it made me feel a little bit more more bullish and confident in spending money on it. And at the end of the yeah. day, you know, um, I, you know, I do have the luxury of not having kids and, you know, having a little disposable income, but, you know, you can't take it with you. And, uh, if something brings you joy in life, even if it comes at an expense, you know, I think it's worth it. And Noah gave me that confidence. And aside from that, he contributes a lot to the page. He's a big survivor fan. He's even recently gone to, um, 
the lengths of, of, of procuring some of those old VHS tapes, I, I guess off yeah. eBay. I didn't even know they still had VCRs out there, but- uh, Oh, I'll go four of them. <laughs> right on. <laughs> and he, he's digitally um, uh, lifted the, or, or digitally redone the Survivor Buff commercials from the old yeah. show. And, and that's uh, cool. I, I'll give him a shout out for that because that, that's really cool because um, I know, you know, us, it's easy to go, oh, well, we get to see a Survivor in Australia as well, like maybe a day after you guys see it at night or whatever. But we don't see the same commercials of you, of course, because they're tailored to an Australian audience. So even at something cool like a CBS logo, um, you know, advert for like that, which you think they could probably keep in, like we, I'd, I'd seen that at some point, but, you know, it was great that Noah could show that because again, an Australian audience, maybe even some of the other people that are in the group that are not from the US or even Canada may not see those, um, ever seen those um, advertisements before. So that's kind of cool to sort of see that flashback where they're, you know, pumping up yeah, by the buff and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, I, I agree. It's, um, it's a funny little community we've got, isn't it? It's, um, and, and you talked about, you know, you might get sad when you've actually completed your collection. And I can I can tell you for a fact, it's sort of a weird scenario because it does, even though there's that cool completion aspect to it and you've almost like, I think financially you can stop, it is this weird kind of like, now what? Like speaking to someone a few months ago and they're like, you know, talking about the Survivor Collection and, and it was, it was kind of like, well, I would like, like to somehow display it at some point but not really, like you said, it's very similar to you. It's just in box, same as red as well, in boxes, safely packed away, out of the sunlight. Um, and then when the new ones come in, I just barely look at them. They just go, yep, yeah, they've got that one, got that one, that one, yeah, bang, in the box. And that's the thing. It's like there's no excitement to, yeah, okay, there's a new buff coming out, there's a new season to watch, but it's not really the the, the excitement or the thrill, like I said earlier, the thrill of the chase is not there. So it's kind of like, yeah. So, I mean, I still love my collection. I don't, don't get me wrong, but it's just not the same. Once you've completed it, it's kind of a bit like, eh, you know, what do you do? Well, th thank goodness for, you know, I, stuff like the gray buff coming into existence because it, it gives you something elusive to hunt for, I guess. But Absolutely. Yeah. So are you going to give, give the group a plug and, and tell them where to find it and all that sort of stuff? Absolutely. Yeah. Anybody on Facebook, uh, the group is called Survivor Buff Buffs, plural as for the last buffs. Um, and there's, uh, I think, 315 members as of today. And, uh, you know, the, the intent of the page is to have fun. You know, it's certainly also a forum for if you want to, you know, buy, sell or trade buffs. Uh, and there's some suggested rules of commerce to help protect the buyers and sellers. Um, but yeah, it's in general, it's a, it's a fun group. Uh, we try to post fun content there, either, you know, these unreleased buffs or the commercials or, you know, it's just a good place for people to, to gather and, and, and talk about uh, kind of a quirky passion. Yeah, absolutely. Anybody to join that wants to. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And there's maybe an Instagram. There is an Instagram as well. Survivor Buff Buffs, no spaces on Instagram. Survivor Buff Buffs. Yeah. And, um, so make sure, yeah. basically on that way, it's, it's, a, it's less content. It's just pictures of the buffs. Um, we had been doing uh, buff of the day, but as Cable astutely pointed out, we, we would get through that in less than half a year. We would have no more <laughs> buffs to show. So we're kind of ratcheting back that and trying to work on some additional content um, and, and more fun stuff uh, upcoming. And so uh, 
more to come there. But one thing that um, did you want to, one thing we were talking about behind the scenes when we first started the page, we did a poll um, talking about making a buff for uh, for the page. We had under 100 members at the time, but I think about something like 20 people expressed an interest in, 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 in buying a buff. The idea would be that we would get, um, you know, a similar buff to a similar looking and design to a survivor buff, but obviously there's trademark issues to contend with um, and produce it and sell it basically to members at cost. So it wouldn't be a, an expensive proposition. It would be, a, you know, a value, especially compared to some of the aftermarket stuff. And we also had the idea, I think this is actually Scott from uh, PGC's idea of, uh, of doing a design contest with members. So, yeah. um, so more to follow, more to come on that. But uh, yeah, we would like to get a buff going uh, for, for the page. I'm glad you brought remember that because I almost forgot it, the buff competition. So, I mean, absolutely, yeah, we're dropping that right now. Um, there will be a competition, a design competition. I love that idea. Um, gives everyone the opportunity. There's definitely some people out there in the group and then even outside of our group and in the community that love to sit there at their computer and design buffs for different seasons and hypothetical stuff or their own fan-made seasons or just for countries or locations that have never been used before. They come up with a theme and and some people have been really creative and some of the colour designs and tribe names and stuff like that is, is amazing. So if a couple of those people are out there and want to do something really cool for this group and um, win a competition and design something and then actually have that buff made up, that's that's pretty cool. I'd love it if my buff got made up. I know I've, I've done competitions for sports teams when their sport, new sports teams are coming and designing a logo and designing a jersey and stuff like that. So to design a buff is pretty cool. Well, there you go, fans. It's official. We have a designer buff competition raring to go. So get in your little office or your computer or get the Crayolas out and start designing those buffs. I can't wait to see them. Uh, I think it's really exciting to think that we can do something like that and have that opportunity. But also, if your friend who is a Survivor fan, even moderately into buffs or ca a, ca a filthy casual, as I would call them, or is a super fan, Get them involved. Get them in the group, but tell them about the competition. Give them the opportunity. I'm sure there's people out there that are great at designing that sort of stuff that we don't know about, they don't know us, and they wouldn't even know the competition exists. So we want as many people to get involved as possible and give everyone that opportunity. So the more the merrier, get them involved. And, yeah, can't wait to see some of these entries. Fans, you're listening to In the Buff, in the Buff Survivor Podcast.